Well, it's been a couple of decades, but when I was a young mom, I used to love lunchtime with my oldest daughter. I would put her in her high chair first, safe and secure, and then I would go into the kitchen to get the lunch um, ready for the table and bring out the food. I put her lunch on her big white plastic tray on her pastel high chair, and then I went back into the kitchen to get my own lunch. You see, that time I had the illusion that we would be sitting down and having meal times together, kind of modeling what that would look like in the future. But when I came back with my own food, um, she had her spoon firmly in hand. And so I asked her, you know, can I have your spoon? Can I help you with your applesauce? Envisioning this applesauce going everywhere. And it was then that I noticed her grip tighten on that spoon, and she said what I recall being her first full sentence that she ever spoke. Sammy, do it self. <laughs> well, what my small child was telling me, her loving and generous parent, was that she didn't want my help. She believed that she was perfectly capable of deciding which food she wanted to eat and getting it from her tray into her mouth all on her own. That first step in asserting independence and self-reliance, you know, that is a good and appropriate, developmentally appropriate step for a toddler. But I suggest that those ideas of independence and self-reliance have become so deeply ingrained in our identity as 21st century Americans that it obscures what God has given us as our identity, and it distorts our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, independence is so core to our identity as Americans that in the United States, the most widely celebrated national holiday, it's, it's July 4th, fireworks, picnics, the whole nine yards, Independence Day. This is not the day that we actually got independence from the country of England. It's just the day that we said we were going to work and fight for independence. The declaration of our future independence. You see, that document, crafted with lofty ideals, the leaders of our young country stated their willingness to sacrifice everything, their businesses, their finances, their families, their own lives, for the realization of a vision of future freedom. Independence and individualism, they're so foundational to the idea of the American dream, something that is so clearly ingrained in our society. A dream that lauds the idea that every person can control their own destiny. And in some ways, we can, but it's an idea that has drawn immigrants from countries all over the world throughout the centuries to come to America in the hopes of building a safer and more stable future for themselves and their families. Middle-class Americans today, of which most of us are, we have a false sense of security because on most days, most of us here can put food on our table. We can make sure we have a roof over our head. Most of us have access to health insurance, so we know we can get to a doctor if we need to, and we know we how to find a community of friends. When we provide for our own needs and those of our family, it, we feel strong and capable, or at the very least, we feel adequate for the job that we need to do. But the reality is that we're not always as strong as we seem. We all have tender and broken places, places where our need is far greater than our ability to provide. 
We all know relationships that are so broken, they are beyond our ability to heal. And some of us find ourselves in circumstances that we can't control. We're not equipped in our country, in our society generally, to admit our inadequacy. And even if we were to lay it all out there on the table, who really would want to walk that broken road with us? We're halfway through our series on the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples when they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Today we'll be focusing on the petition, give us today our daily bread. This is a prayer of dependence. And in this prayer, we rightly assess God as the source and sustainer of our life. In order to come to that conclusion, we have to face our own limitations and our weaknesses. We'll examine three parts to this prayer. First, give us, then daily, and bread, as we break it down and see how this can inform our prayer life moving forward. Will you pray with me as we begin? Father God, as we open up your word, would you give each one of us the sustenance we need in this moment? Lord, for those who are weary, I pray that you would give us strength. For those who are burdened, Lord, I pray that you would bring relief. And for those who carry conflict, Lord, would you grant your peace. Give us wisdom that this word would take root in us and these words written so long ago would come alive in our day. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Give us. That's where this prayer starts. We begin with the understanding when we look at the whole prayer from the beginning that God is the source and sustainer of life. Only God has the ability to give us, and not just give me, but give us all that we need for our growth and survival. Not only did God create life, but he cares enough about this world to be continually involved, providing what we need. The writer of Hebrews starts out the book by saying that, in the past, God spoke through the prophets in various ways, but now he has spoken to us through his son, through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, sustaining all things by his powerful word. In this opening petition, Jesus doesn't suggest that his disciples and that us, that we pray for our dreams or our desires, but to pray for sustenance, for that which we need. God knows what we need, often better than we know ourselves. This model prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples, it's recorded in Matthew 6, but also in Luke 11. And in, in that latter text, at the end of the prayer, Jesus gives a parable that illustrates God's character and the importance of prayer. That parable says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine has come on a journey and has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and I and my children are in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So to you, I say, ask, 
and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. We don't know why this midnight host wasn't prepared for his guest, whether that stop on his friend's journey was unexpected, maybe it deviated from the original plan, or maybe that host really had no ability to provide for the needs of his own household. We don't know what brought him to this place. But regardless, the host now, at this last hour of the day, is ill-prepared and under-resourced to be able to meet the need that is currently in front of him. So he goes to his friend. But the midnight host doesn't receive bread by networking. Relationship alone doesn't motivate that provider to generosity. It's the boldness of the request. Some translations use the word persistence. Jesus clears up any confusion about this parable by directly correlating it to prayer. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. There's one Bible scholar that I read this week that compared this progression of ask and seek and knock to the way a child would approach their parent. If the parent was in the same room as the child and the child had a request, the child would go to the parent and ask for what they needed. But if the parent was nearby but not immediately adjacent, the child would seek out their parent, knowing the parent has the ability to provide and then make that request. But if there was an obstacle between that child and the parent, say a door or a wall, something that was separating them from their presence, that child would go to that obstacle and would pound on it, knocking, calling out through that obstacle until they knew their parent could hear. So if that sleepy bread provider got out of bed to respond to a bold, persistent request, how much more will God, our loving Father, answer our prayers? He knows what we need. God provides food for the birds of the air. How much more will he give to us, his image bearers, who are so precious to him that he sent his son, Jesus, to teach us how to pray? Besides recognizing God as the source and sustainer of life, the next thing we need to look at in this model prayer is how it's seated in time, today, on this day, for our need today. God's gifts to us are reliable and timely. The prayer Jesus gives is not for God to provide you a business plan or construction documents so that you can see how his provision for you today builds on to create the entirety of your life. This day-by-day gift is more like that infuriating GPS that my daughter so loves to use in her car. Turn right in 100 feet. You know, it gives you just enough information to make the decision for that next point in your journey. Whenever I'm driving with her, I always think, can you just tell me where we're going? I might know a better way to get there. And while sometimes I might be geographically smarter than the GPS, I know that I don't have the perspective of God and need to trust what is best that he provides for me. It's foundational to the life of faith to walk this journey one step at a time. 
This past week when I was on the Sankofa journey with some other pastors from the Twin Cities, we were at the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis and I purchased this magnet because I wanted to remember Martin Luther King's quote saying, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the full staircase. The Bible gives a beautiful picture of this day-to-day, one-day-at-a-time provision in the story of the liberation of Israel from bondage in Egypt. As these newly freed people, the nation of Israel, were wandering in the desert, heading towards a promise of a new and bountiful land, they had no way to provide enough food for their group. But God provided them with manna each morning. Moses instructed the people to gather this grain-like substance from the ground and eat it every day. None was to be saved until the next day, except on on the day before the Sabbath, when a double portion could be gathered. But some people tried to build up a reserve, only to smell it as it spoiled and watch the insects eat away at it. For 40 years, God provided day by day the food that his people needed. The able-bodied of every household went out and gathered enough that they could share with those too young or too weak to go out and gather, and the whole community had enough. This regular daily dependence on God has a twofold benefit to us. First, not only does God provide for today's need, but the fact that he has continually provided for our needs up until now gives us a confidence for his faithfulness for tomorrow. God is here. He has been with us, and he will prepare us for whatever lies ahead on our journey. And second, God allows us to participate with him in this provision. You know, he could have filled baskets of manna and put them inside the tents of the Israelites. He could have put that food in the mouths or in the stomachs of his own people, but he didn't. While God is clearly the provider, we are his co-laborers, experiencing the dignity of work, the blessings of generosity, and the joy of community. God's gifts to us are reliable and timely, and they are perfectly suited to our needs. Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much, and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. You see, temptation presses in on both sides, whether in our perceived abundance or our perceived want. We have a temptation to self-reliance and a temptation to doubt the wisdom of God's provision. When we have more than we need, God may be nudging us towards compassion and kindness to see the needs of others around us in our community and step out to meet those needs. But likewise, if we have need, God may be calling us out of our isolation to shine the light on our own weaknesses so that others can step up and be Christ for us. Our daily dependent relationship on God, grounded in humility, puts us in the right place at the right time so that we can be in the flow of God's abundant and good plans for our lives. But there's still much that lies beyond our control, beyond our control to influence or affect change. 
In another parable, Jesus warned about the illusion of self-sufficiency. From Luke chapter 12. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Friends, in these past two years, we have seen our society change. We have seen communities, like on our television in Ukraine, be ravaged by war. And we've seen our own community be ravaged by violence. Natural and man-made disasters like tornadoes and hurricanes have destroyed houses and businesses and communities. We have seen lives that have been forever altered by mental and physical illnesses. We have lost family members. And as of Friday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is on the longest weekly losing streak since the Great Depression, 1923. When all that we have to rely on is stripped away, what we're left with is the only thing of value that we ever had in the first place. It's the faithfulness of God, our Father. Which brings us to the final segment of this prayer, a prayer for bread. Biblical scholars have debated for centuries if this is meant as a literal prayer for food or if it is symbolic of God's provision for our spiritual hunger. And I would say that holding both meanings makes this text even richer. God provides for both the physical and the spiritual needs we have in life. Bread is one of the most culturally widespread and essential foods needed to nourish our bodies, whether it's in a loaf or a flatbread, tortilla or a cracker. Bread is essential. But it's not the only thing that we need to sustain life. In the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25, Jesus tells the story of a king who rewards some of his subjects, saying, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the subject said, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? And the king said, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So what are the essentials here that the king was rewarding? Food and water and shelter and clothing, health care and relationship. God knows that we need all of these things. They're all part of the human condition that are necessary for the flourishing into what God has, the potential that God has given us. We need all of those things to be human. We can ask for these things daily and be willing to be God's method of provision of these things for others in our midst. But back to bread. The Bible uses bread throughout the Old Testament to tell the story of God's family. Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine to Abraham to bless him. 
12 loaves of bread, symbolizing the 12 tribes of Israel, were to be continually on the altar before the, in the temple, in the tabernacle, and in the temple. And bread was part of the Passover celebration, remembering God's faithfulness to Israel um, as they departed. Nazarite vows of consecration unto the Lord for those who were not part of the Levitical priesthood but yet wanted to consecrate and set apart their own lives to God. After they made those vows, when they were fulfilled, they would bring a basket of bread and set it on the altar as part of the ending. In all of these texts, we see that bread has a spiritual meaning beyond just a slice of toast. Jesus Christ took bread at the Last Supper and held it up, and as he gave thanks and broke it, he said, this, take, this is my body, which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. For the Christ follower, the bread of communion is a reminder that even as physical bread sustains our life and gives energy to our physical body, Jesus, through his bodily death and resurrection, has given us his Holy Spirit to live within us, to be our guide, our counselor, and our peace. A couple of weeks ago, I asked Cheryl Hansen if she would share what Give Us Today Our Daily Bread has meant to her recently. Cheryl and her husband, Doug, have been part of our city church community for years, initially over at Armitage Community School, and uh, most recently rejoining us here about three years ago. Um, on Tuesday, Cheryl came in and recorded these thoughts to share with you. I've been seeing the Lord's Prayer since Sunday school. I grew up in a Lutheran home and my parents were involved in the church as well as the community. In reality, my father was president of the church council and he owned a bar in a restaurant. So you can say I was exposed to all walks of life in my early years. And I consider my growing up in adult years to represent a pretty standard life. Just like all of you and most of you, we had accomplishments, we had joys, we had losses, we had celebrations. It seemed like a lot at times, and it was just really standard. Because through the years I was blessed, I was blessed with children and grandchildren, extended family and friends. Through it all, I kept God close at my side and said my daily prayers for what it was that I needed. And plans, my plans, oh yes, I'm a planner. We had plans. Doug and I had plans for retirement, financial plans. We invested in a camper. We were gonna travel across the USA seeing the places we'd never seen. We planned to some, finish some things on our house and we planned to spend more time with our grandchildren. But three years ago, all those plans changed. Back in 2009, they found a melanoma tumor on the back of my eye. They implanted a radiation disc and killed the tumor. We were so fortunate that they saved my vision, which they hadn't planned at the time. But sadly, the seeds of melanoma travel through your blood system and those seeds had already planted themselves other places in my body. So then as we went on with our plans, God had another plan. Three years ago, I decided to see a new oncologist for routine scans, and they found 10 tumors in my liver. 
A biopsy found the tumors to be metastasized ocular melanoma for which there is no cure. Stage four terminal cancer had now spread to my liver. Boy, our thinking changed, our planning changed, our timeline changed. We tried to pull our world in much smaller and the Lord's Prayer changed for me. It always seemed like give us this day our daily bread was one of the simplest lines in that prayer. Just a reminder that we need sustenance for our bodies. But I don't believe that's what God was teaching us to pray at all. After my terminal cancer diagnosis, this line of the prayer meant something totally different for me. I had I ever thought why God wanted me to say and pray, give us this day our daily. God is helping me here to focus in on the day. God is teaching me that what I need from him is only what I need to get through this one day. Strength and courage or just compassion, whatever it is I need just for today. Then tomorrow I will talk to him again and ask him again and he will provide again for just one more day. I didn't need grandiose plans. I didn't need to be in charge. If I can focus on today and daily, then I can follow the path that God now has planned for me and get through another day. And through all of these days, God has provided and blessed me and protected me. Each day I ask and each day he provides. And my daily bread, why bread? The most basic of foods. Many restaurants even provide it for free. It's so basic. Why is God directing my mind to the basic of needs? And now, what I need from him to sustain me through the day is very clear to God. God is speaking to me through this prayer, asking for my complete faith. Faith that the bread he chooses for me for today will be enough. God is asking me to trust him, to have faith in what he is offering. And maybe today it's courage or just peace. But I need to trust that what he's giving me for my daily bread is what he wants me to have for my daily bread. In November, we found out my cancer had spread to my bones. Many areas of bone are now covered with cancer and I'm having radiation to try to slow the growth. Mayo Rochester has no more cancer treatments to offer me to push back this cancer. They're only able to offer me pain management moving forward. As you can imagine, my daily bread I ask God to so graciously provide is now more time. As simple as bread, time is our precious asset. I now pray to stay close to God each day and I ask God every day God, please give me all the time you want me to have. Please give me your generous gift of more time. As my disease has progressed, God has blessed me with so much. I have a recurring prayer that I say that I would not leave this world with any of my children still alone. And they are all now in loving relationships. And eight months ago, I was blessed with a new granddaughter. Doug and I are more involved with people at City Church and I have joined a growth group making wonderful new friends. There is so much joy in my heart to see how God has provided for me 
and for my husband and my family. Thank you, God, for my daily bread. Amen. Cheryl, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. We love you, and you are a great example of a godly woman. We appreciate you. The beauty in this simple prayer, give us today our daily bread, is that God provides bread not only for our physical life and for our spiritual life, but also for our eternal life. In John chapter 6, the crowd that was present with Jesus on the hillside when he fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish had followed Jesus and had asked him for another miraculous sign, a sign that they could know that he was the one sent by God. They said to him, Our forefathers, they said, ate manna in the desert. As it is written, God gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread to eat. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son of God and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. Jesus Christ is the bread of life. Beloved of God, one with the Father and the Holy Spirit, Jesus left heaven to come to earth and live a human life, a life with all of our love and loves and connections, a life with all of our griefs and losses. His life was human, yes, but it, he was perfectly obedient to God's righteous laws in ways that we could never be. You see, our self-determination in sin has broken our relationship with God, our Father and Creator. We need a mediator, one who can come and help restore us and reconcile us to God, and that mediator is Jesus Christ. Jesus was obedient all the way to the cross, taking on the shame and the punishment that each one of us deserved, and instead offers us freely forgiveness to everyone who will believe. When we turn away from our prideful and our self-reliant patterns of life and choose to surrender our life and our spirit to the Lordship of Christ, we will be feasting with Jesus both now and forever at God's holy and heavenly table. So what do we make of this simple prayer? Give us today our daily bread. Well, first, if you've not accepted the gift of life and forgiveness that Jesus offers, today can be the day when you begin that new and eternal life with Jesus. As, as we pray at the end of the message, you can admit that you are more broken and sinful than you ever dared thought, think, and you are in need of God's grace. But when you look to him and believe in the name of Jesus, he will come and fill your heart, giving you not only new life for this life, but eternal life for the life to come. Commit to Jesus to be your bread, for bread of life for all of your days. Admit your need and trust in Jesus. Second, 
Pray regularly and specifically. God knows what you need, but in answer to prayer, you can see how God is providing to meet that need in a very specific way. Keep a prayer journal so you can record what happened in the past and you can review it and as you go into the present and then trust God for the future. And third, be generous. Whether God has blessed you with an abundance of bread or maybe an abundance of relationship, could be an abundance of skill, or maybe it's abundance of faith. Whatever God has given you, use that to share with others so that they can see the light and life of Jesus shining through you. And fourth, be grateful. As God provides for your every step, recognize the gift of his hand. Thank him for his provision and pray for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done. City Church, this weekend we end another ministry year. And I want to say that God has been faithful to us for the past 17 years, giving us exactly what we've needed when we've needed it. God provided a founding pastor with a vision and a passion, and when he retired, God seamlessly provided Rich, our interim pastor, to lead us through this time of transition. We can trust in God's faithfulness to bring the next godly leader to us at just the right time. And when the time came and the opportunity came to purchase this building, God provided all we needed in terms of resources to be able to have a permanent home. And not only that, but God provided the people with the exact skills needed to be able to renovate this building and make it an open and welcoming place. And in that same way, as we embark on a new ministry partnership with Jonathan House to provide housing to immigrants to this country, God has provided everything that we need, a location, furniture, relationships, skills. God is providing for ministry, and we can count on in the future whatever shape the ministry of City Church looks like, God will be with us providing for all of our needs. There's much that's uncertain right now, and the future is unknowable for us, but we have a God who sees, a God who cares, and a God who provides all we need. To him be the glory now and forever. Heavenly Father, we are humbled and grateful that you have given us the gift of faith and of life and have chosen to sustain our lives and our life together at City Church. Let us never take this life for granted, but Father, lead us to share the blessings of this life and faith with all whom we walk alongside. And we pray that you, Lord, would give us all that we need in this life and for the life to come. We pray in the strong name of our brother Jesus, who walked this road before us to lead us into your kingdom. Amen.